Hey everybody, in today's episode of Trek in Time, we're going to be talking about timey-wimey things again. That's right, we're talking <laughs> about Enterprise, Season 3, Episode 21, E-Squared, which is a difficult title to write down. Because you got to use a little tiny number two, and then somebody's <laughs> like, what, math? Anyway, welcome to Trek in Time, where we're talking about Star Trek in chronological order and where it landed in history. We're taking a look at each episode in chronological order, which means currently we're talking about Star Trek Enterprise, and we're also taking a look at the times that they landed in, which means we're back in 2004. And who are we? Well, I'm Sean Farrell. I'm a writer. I write some sci-fi. I write some stuff for kids. And with me is my brother, Matt. He is the guru and inquisitor behind Undecided with Matt Farrell, which takes a look at emerging tech and its impact on our lives. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to this discussion without giving anything away. I feel like we're in the golden days of enterprise as we move from episode to episode and they feel part of a coherent whole. And just across the board, I feel like the storytelling is really strong in these episodes that we've been in for the past like five episodes, maybe four episodes. This one I think is not quite as strong as the most recent ones that we've taken a look at, but I still think it's right up there. What did you think? Oh, I, I like this one. I agree with you. It wasn't like pitch perfect for the last couple, two or three, maybe mm-hmm. even four were really, really good. This one was still average. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. And I agree with you. When I think about enterprise, I like, I have a very fond spot in my heart for this show. And I think it's only because of season three. Mm. I don't think it's because of season one or two. I think it's this season in particular. I just love so much that it's, it's kind of like crawled into my heart as an enjoyable show. Yeah. It really feels like it not only found its stride, but found its own voice at this point. Mm -hmm. So we'll get into that in more detail. But first, as usual, we would like to jump into the comments on our previous episodes. So Matt, what comments stood out for you? (laughs) It feels like. We only have two commenters. Either it's RoboTrav or Pilgo69 <laughs> a lot of the times. So I do want to, it's a Pilgo69 one. It's really short. He wrote on the last episode, which was 68 damage. I don't know what's holding us together, but I hope it doesn't give out. That's what Trip said. Mm-hmm. His comment was 2020 in a nutshell. Yes, <laughs> pretty much. I thought was a really good, uh, good way to call that out. We have a new commenter, Laney, I think is how you say uh, his username. Uh, He commented on episode 38, Stigma, which is an older episode. It's the one where uh, T'Pol comes down with Pinar syndrome. She was forcibly like mind raped, I guess you'd say in a previous Mm -hmm. episode. And this is a ramification of that. Mm -hmm. He wrote, I didn't immediately recognize the parallels between the two storylines when I watched the episode. That's why I love your analysis because you find and point out such connections. I still have a thought about the A story. I absolutely agree with you that the mind meld and fusion was an assault. However, I found the argument wrong in Stigma that DePaul got Pinar syndrome only because she was assaulted. She consented to try the mind meld. And as I see it, she would have gotten the Pinar syndrome even if Tolaris hadn't assaulted her during the meld. And I thought that was an interesting kind of take on it. Like, cause I remember when you and I were debating all of that, it felt weird to have this whole assault victimization of T'Pol. Yeah. And there is a, a different angle you could look at this as. She's not the victim necessarily for Pinar syndrome. She was a right. victim of the assault, but the two don't necessarily connect. It's a good call out. Thank yeah. you for those comments. And don't forget, everybody, you can jump into the comments and weigh in at any point, including if you're 
taking a look at some of our older episodes, this show is not built to be a effectively a current event that you have to keep up with us on. If you're watching these episodes in isolation and you want to jump back and leave a comment on something you saw in a previous episode, please do so. We love to hear those kinds of comments. So that sound in the background that you hear right now, that's almost <laughs> too loud, I guess. That's yeah. the read alert. That can only mean one thing. Matt, it's time for the Wikipedia description. Oh, boy. Set in the 22nd century, the series follows the adventures of the first Starfleet Starship Enterprise. Registration, NX-01. Season 3 of Enterprise features an ongoing story following an attack on Earth by previously unknown aliens called the Zindi. In this episode, the Enterprise encounters a version of itself that was sent 117 years into the past, now populated by the descendants of the crew as a generational ship. The two crews must work together so the modern Enterprise can access a wormhole defended by Zindi vessels. And I have to say, that's not a bad description. That It's been a while since we had a Wikipedia description <laughs> that accurately played the role of a description. So, Yes. Shocker. Hat tip. So as we were just saying, this is episode number 21 of season three, and it was directed by Roxanne Dawson. This is the fourth of hers for the season more than any other director at this point. Most recently, she had directed Doctor's Orders, Exile, and Chosen Realm. The episode is written by Michael Sussman, and this is his fifth of the season. His previous episode that we talked about was Hatchery. The original air date of this was May 5th, 2004, and guest appearances included Randy Oglesby as Degra, once again, Tucker Smallwood as the Zindi Primate, Rick Worthy as Janar, Tess Lena as Karen Archer, David Andrews as Lorian, Tom Schinelli as Greer and Steve Truitt as crewman number one. And what was the world like when this aired on May 5th, 2004? Well, Matt, you were still singing. Yeah. <laughs> Usher featuring <laughs> little John and ludicrous. And at the movies, a little film called mean girls opened to $24 million. And it really kind of surprised me to see that this opened with only $24 million considering Mean Girls has become such a staple in the culture. Not only yep. is it still a film, it's available on Paramount if anybody's interested in checking it out. It's available for streaming or rent in a lot of different locations. But it is a movie, despite the fact that I've never seen it, it is one of those movies that has entered the popular culture to the point where I feel as if I had. This, of course, is a movie that was written by Tina Fey, starred Lindsay Lohan, and introduce us to the concept of mean girls in the in the, it's been a part of our culture ever since and on television what were we watching my wife and kids they were getting about seven million viewers a week 60 minutes two was getting about nine that 70s show was getting nine and american idol was of course getting about 20 million friends got eight million and nine million on upn star trek enterprise had three million and Smallville four. So Star Trek continues to be in last place, which it has been for a while. And in the news, what was going on at this time? Well, the Sasser worm was spreading. And if anybody out there is old enough like me to remember the Sasser worm, well, us Gen Xers have to stick together, right? <laughs> the Sasser worm was a new version of the blaster worm. And these were not actual worms these were computer viruses and yep. remember the days when we talked about computer viruses as worms it was 
These were heady times, Matt. And gross. Yes. Meanwhile, the Bush administration was still getting criticized for the Iraqi prison scandal where prisoners were being abused. There were those who were calling for Donald Rumsfeld to step down from his position as secretary of defense. But meanwhile, the U.S. Senate almost unanimously appointed Negroponte, who was a diplomat with a checkered history, to be the head of the Bush administration's management of Iraq. So criticism notwithstanding, the Bush administration was effectively able to do whatever it wanted, and it continued to Mm -hmm. defend Donald Rumsfeld. Around this date, there was also a total lunar eclipse. I just thought that was interesting. And on television, we were reaching the point where Friends was about to leave the air. They were about to broadcast their final episode. So we find ourselves uh, once again at this stage of the storytelling with an episode that follows right on the heels of the previous one. And I will admit being a big fan of that kind of storytelling for this story. It's Mm -hmm. not always critical in a series. Like I think of strange new worlds, the strength of episodic storytelling with through lines that are not as overarching as other shows that I love, which are completely episodic, but have a kind of coherent heart to them might be a show like quantum leap where Mm. you can watch that show, you know, in any order, any order, but there is a pairing there's a heart at the middle of it about the relationship between the main two characters and, and their trust and love for one another. So there are different scales of, of how linked episodic television can be or is. I think that this is a good demonstration of when a series chooses to move into this direction. Enterprise historically was not this. It was very episodic at the beginning. And then it moved into this for this season in particular. And I think that the strength of their style really shows. Yeah, no, I agree. So we find ourselves with the Enterprise following on the heels of the previous episode where Degra said, I have get you in front of the Zindi Council. In order to do that, you're going to have to use one of our, our transport. Our tra- our, basically, they have the ability to use these warp corridors that speed up their travel gives the enterprise gives archer the coordinates of one of these corridors unfortunately it's in a dangerous part of space there are going to be some other aliens kovalan they're referred to and the kovalans will be unhappy to have the enterprise showing up in their neck of the woods so you got to get to these coordinates by such and such a date and such and such a time and you can use these this warp corridor best of luck we'll see you there is the message Decker gives. And then as they try to do all of this, they find themselves in bad shape. They're quickly attacked. They get into the warp corridor, but when they come through the other end, things haven't worked out quite the way that they expected. They find themselves in a part of space that does not match with where they were supposed to end up and very quickly find themselves approached by another vessel. And when they finally get a good look at it, they discover it's them. And this is a time loop without it being too loopy, which I'll admit I appreciate it. 
to, to reiterate to all of our listeners, Sean is a author and he has written a book, which by the way, I highly recommend reading the man in the empty suit, which is a time travel story. Yeah. So to speak. And so as somebody who's written time travel stories, I want to kind of bring up the whole crux of this episode, which is around time travel and Star Trek tends to lean on time travel as a get out of jail free card a little too much. This episode, I'm not accusing it of doing that, but it's always a mixed bag with me whenever Star Trek gets into time travel because they don't seem to be consistent in how time travel works. Mm -hmm. And it's always what will move the plot forward. Mm -hmm. So time travel is not science fiction. It's fantasy. Mm -hmm. It's like you can do whatever you want in time travel because nobody understands is this possible, how it will work. It's just fantasy. But you have to create rules for how your version of time travel works. Yeah. And this episode seems to be trying to play around with the Back to the Future Marty McFly version of time travel. And I've always had a problem with this because it's like, okay, as soon as you come back back through this loop and you succeed in what you're doing, it means you no longer exist, which means how did this happen in the first place? It creates this whole kind of like breaks my logic brain. Mm -hmm. Did this bother you for this episode? Because we're, I would say the Back to the Future movies did it extremely well for what they were doing. Mm -hmm. This did not. And it, it bothered me, but I excused it because everything else about the episode I enjoyed. So it's like I was, I was able to kind of disconnect my this time loop makes no sense and put that to the side and just enjoy the story. Yes. Did that bother you? That that you brought up just now is my really my only critique of the episode. Not that within itself, within the episode itself, it is consistent. You think so? It is not consistent with the rest of Star, Star Trek. Yes. What I mean by that is this episode, if you watch this completely in isolation, is an enjoyable, as you mentioned, sort of back to the future style of time travel. Oh, these we we ended up back in the past due to an accident. And as a result, they become a generational ship and we are now meeting in the present the people that will be our grandchildren as a result of our falling back in time, 117 years, mm -hmm. it is very back to the future ish. They then have, you know, their experience in like, well, how do we avoid this? What can we do? How can we, can we change all these things? All of that is being said and done as Matt pointed out in the name of the plot. Whereas in previous episodes of star Trek in every time that time travel is incorporated there's always the message of don't screw around with the past now <laughs> the people on the second enterprise the older enterprise are not taking that approach at all nope and that's where my critique falls into a problem and I, I found myself thinking there are some aspects of this that could have been like this episode falls completely within the scope of what has been happening in the series right previous to it. And I appreciated right. that and lifting the rule of don't muck around with the past for this episode 
at a certain point I was enjoying the depiction of the interaction of the characters to the point where I was like, okay, yes. I'm okay with that. Like it was yes. a little tiny thorn at the back of my head of like, yes. they're not really following their own rules, but I d also reached a point where I almost wish there had been more exploration. And this would have only come if the episode had more time because I feel like this episode feels very full and I, and I do appreciate that. The one thing that I wish there had been is if to Paul had had an opportunity to talk to herself, she talks to herself completely about the current vein of to Paul's character, which is yep. to Paul has effectively damaged herself by using Trillium on herself in an attempt to break emotional barriers down for herself and now has damaged herself through this addiction to the trillium to the point where flocks has given her advice to say, you're going to have to figure out how to incorporate this into yourself because that seems to be where you're going to be. She now meets an older version of herself, one who's 117 years older and who seems to have reached a stability with that emotional component. And there's really a, very nice scene between the two to Paul's and you and I have talked about this on a number of different episodes. Jolene Blaylock does not get enough credit for how good she is in this role. Here she is playing a much older version of herself who has incorporated an emotional state so that she is charming. She's that really old lady that you like to know. And she seems happy. She's charming she and happy. And she's, yeah. and she reveals like a little bit yeah. about herself and you can tell that she's Wise. got kind of a twinkle in her eye of like, like you poor child talking to herself. She's like, you poor child, you're, you're struggling through all this. You need to connect to the one who can help you the most. Basically playing love connector in saying like, you got to go after trip. You love trip. I love trip. Go be with trip. The, the mm -hmm. circumstances of this time travel thing that we had happen to us forced me and trip together. So rather than rely on that accident, go after him, you know, go kiss the girl effectively. I'm okay with that. I do wish there had been a tiny little moment of, even if it had just been a one line joke of older to Paul saying to younger to Paul. So how do you feel about time travel now? Yes. Like yes. The, the show has done <laughs> yes. so much with time travel so many different times in yep. the series up to this point. The fact that nobody points out like, well, we got our answer. Like, yep. Th th they, they marvel at the fact that these might be their offspring. But once that's proven, there's really zero like time Discussion. travel, time travel. Yep. Like, time travel. We, d we could do this. And even with that being said, I also wish there had been the tiniest, tiniest moment of debate with Archer saying, is there a way we could use the time travel to go back maybe five years and stop the attack and have there be a legitimate debate and saying like, we don't even know the accident that took place. We have no idea how to control it. So I, I think that there could have been an opportunity for them, for the captain to suggest like yeah. something audacious and have to Paul and other people be like, we, we don't even know what happens to cause the accident. So let's not try and manipulate it to, to help us. Like you've, you've introduced a major 
element to the story at this point that could be a solution to a number of different problems that the enterprise is facing. And instead they just focus in on like, well, how do we avoid it? And I'm okay with that being the plot, but I do think that there were a couple of moments where it would have been interesting to see the characters, especially with T'Pol. Her entire thing so, of like, we still don't know, yeah. we still don't know, we still don't know. And just having older Paul say, so how do you feel about time travel now? Would have been a nice little cherry on top that would have been like, yeah, let's put that to bed. Let's stop with the can time travel happen within Star Trek debate. Let's just, yeah. let's just end it. My two things, my two like nitpicks were my question to you about what do you think about the time travel? And then my other nitpick is around just that is that to Paul's and Tripp's son, there's two solutions to this. And there's a, there's only, and that out of these two solutions, this is the right one. And it was like, you know, come on, there's gotta be option three, four, five, six. Cause as I'm watching, I'm thinking of like all these different options. It's like, if they succeed, that means you technically don't exist, right. which means you could sacrifice yourselves to help them get through the thing. Right. And it was like, how come nobody brought that up? It seemed pretty obvious to me. So it was like, there was all these possible solutions and like what you just brought up about the whole, why didn't somebody say, could we manipulate this and control how far back we go? It's like, that's another option. So it's like, why was this never discussed? And it bothered me about how they were trying to make it very black or white. Yeah. Like there's two obvious choices and I'm sitting here thinking, no, I've got three, four, and five obvious choices, and you're not discussing any of them. Yeah. So that was another nitpick, but I set it aside because, again, it was just like that little, as you said, the thorn in the back of your mind. I enjoyed so much about the character interactions and the son's interactions with everybody. Yeah. That conversation with T'Pol and T'Pol, I loved that entire scene. I thought it was wonderful. I was just so enraptured by the the characters and the discussions that those minor nitpicks didn't matter to me at the end of the day. So yeah. we can discuss it as a nitpick now, but it's like it wasn't distracting from my enjoyment of the episode as I watched it. Yeah, I agree. And it's there's a certain point in this episode where I had a similar response. Everybody is taking the it's a black or white sort of mm-hmm. approach. And that's because they're trying to tell this story. And I'm like, I'm like, I get it. Like I'm, mm-hmm. and at that point, then you rely on performance, uh, you know, creative interactions between characters. I think that there's a lot here that is well mined and well structured to hold, to hold your interest. And I really appreciated that little things like, I mean, you just proposed and they, and they kind of introduce it at the end the the new captain trip and to paul's son he's played by david andrews is lorian he suggests that there was a point where when the zindi weapon the probe the first attacked the earth and destroyed a huge swath of florida when that probe was first being launched he says we had an opportunity i could have used the ship as a weapon and just mm-hmm plowed into it and destroyed it, but he thought he couldn't sacrifice his crew. One of the things about all of the story up to this point about getting rid of the probe, stopping the probe in time, getting back in time, doing these things, you know, at earlier stages, I always like shrug my shoulders at all that because like, ultimately that wouldn't have stopped the Zindi at all. So I'm always no, like, wouldn't. I'm like, okay, what that's, that's kind of a moot point, but in the final sequence of this episode where they are trying to get through the, the enterprise is trying to get through 
the warp corridor. And I really like the closing battle sequence where the original enterprise damaged to the point that the other enterprise has to use a tractor beam and effectively throw them into the warp corridor so that they will go through. And you get the impression that the second enterprise, the older enterprise is now going to sacrifice itself in defending the first. And there are questions on the other side when they come through the warp corridor of how we've waited now for five hours and there's no sign of them showing up. Did they get destroyed or the fact that we got through the corridor, does that mean they never existed? And then there's even the, but how do we remember them? If they did and there were like, there were moments like that, that it was like, okay, this is now them trying to step back into star Trek lore's version of time travel. Like they had their back Mm -hmm. to the future moment. And then they're like, uh, but the fans are going to want to know how, like how that got resolved. And it's similar to a critic's response. I remember back when back to the future three came out and there was a critic whose response was the entire third movie is predicated upon the fact that doc cannot get back from the past, but then at the end he gets back from the past. So Mm -hmm. the entire movie was moot and this falls into that same danger zone of like, well, how do we get all these things to line up? And at a certain point you don't need to, because the point of this story are moments like to Paul talking to, to Paul, to Paul talking with trip trip, talking with his son, his son, Lorian talking with Archer and what I love about all of that is that Lorian is Tripp's son and Tripp is having this kind of like out of body. You can tell he's kind of like thrilled at the fact, like I'm meeting my son. This is crazy. I hope mm-hmm. I was a good dad. And Lorian has the heartbreaking moment of like, you would have been, you died when I was 14. And then later you get to see Lorian in conversation with Archer reveal that he succeeded Archer as captain of the enterprise, which means Archer was was an old man, an old man <laughs> yeah. still performing his duties as captain and passed on a DeLorean. And in that scene, you get the father son relationship that trip was hoping to have with Lorian, but clearly Lorian grew up yeah. with Archer as his father figure, because after the age of 14, he makes a promise to Archer of, I will do whatever I have to, to make earth safe. And he's willing to attack his own hero in order to do that. Mm-hmm. Steal from the older enterprise, the, the one we know he's willing to steal from that enterprise to make his enterprise stronger, to be able to go back and fight the, the battle that he thinks is important. All of that I think is worth the tiny whiny like yeah. magic wand storytelling of, well, how do we remember them? And we don't remember them. And like, effectively, this is almost like a flip version of the enterprise C story from yesterday's enterprise, where you have the way, if you followed the yesterday's enterprise logic, the moment mm-hmm. they get through the corridor effectively, they should have gotten to the other side. If you were writing this from the perspective of yesterday's enterprise, they would have gotten through the warp corridor. They would have gotten to the other side safely and not known. And they wouldn't have known. And not only that, they would have said our ship is damaged. We've got things missing. Our engine is broken. What happened? 
and they would have had zero clue. And that to me might have been a more heartbreaking ending than what they gave, which is the waiting for five hours and they're worried and we remember them. How do we do that? Like I get why that ending existed because like I said, I feel like it's the, I think it's Sussman trying to say like, Oh, let's get back to Trek reality or on time travel, but they've effectively stepped the wrong direction. I think that it, it could have been a darker and sadder ending if they got through and said, what happened to our ship? Like, this isn't just damage from the warp corridor. This is, we were attacked by something, but nothing that we can remember happened. And yep. for them to not even remember that they met their grandchildren and their offspring in that way. It's also I why they didn't do that though. Yeah, I can understand why they didn't do that. And I also feel like there's an element of the heartbreak around all this that is ultimately almost too sad to deal with, which is they show children on the <laughs> generational ship. Yep. And those children They're are now dead. either dead or <laughs> never existed. So yeah. happy there, episode. There is there is one other one thing I want to call out. Just a couple episodes ago, we had that episode where Captain Archer had to basically go against the, the the ethical dilemma of where he basically robbed that other ship to steal their warp coils and all this stuff so they could go. Yeah. I found it interesting that this episode flipped it. Yeah. And suddenly the Enterprise was being attacked, having their injectors stolen so that the other ship could do it. And the fact that they never, I picked up on that. I'm yeah. sure you did too. And you don't need to be them like on the nose to the viewer going, this is a callback. Yeah. But it's like, I wish that there had been some more of a hint that this was a deliberate callback to what they had done previously, yeah. because this was kind of like a comeuppance of like, this is what happens when everything gets lawless and you just do what you think is right, buddy. Right. And so it's like, there's, they didn't do that. And so for me, it was a missed opportunity. But again, this episode was so jam packed adding that kind of stuff in would have just made it like so just like chaotic with stuff and different plot lines yeah. and statements they're trying to say i think i can understand why they didn't yeah i completely agree with yeah. you i know why they didn't but in like yeah. it's nice to create my own head canon yeah around that that the yes. conversation the conversation between lorian and archer when lorian's in the cell after the whole attack if archer had said something like what what made you think you had the right to do that to us and mm-hmm. Lorian say, well, when I was just learning how to be a commander, you talked to me about something you had done that was very similar. And I thought that I was in safe territory there. Like it could yep. have been like, that's it lurking in the back of my head. Like Lorian has learned from an archer who was willing to do these things. And yep. we also don't know. And this is another thing that could have been hinted at through conversations with Lorian with his own crew. We don't know what they have done similar to that with other species. And if somebody had on his crew pointed out like, well, we've done this before, but this is different because this is our own grandparents. Like it could have had a different, it could have had a nice little twist to that for Lorian. They they could have twisted it with him saying to Archer, like, you know, I learned it from you. Like, ends justifies the means so archer's smoking archer's smoking a joint and then he's like i learned it from you man (laughs) (laughs) i think that's a perfect spot to 
wrap up our discussion <laughs> yes. with an anti-pot, anti-drug message from the 1980s, yep. which Matt and I grew up on. So I felt like the the whole storyline, while being a little bit weaker than previous episodes, still fit within the current of how this season has felt. And I didn't feel like it was while I had a few nitpicks, I didn't feel like it was subpar. I thought it was very, I thought it was strong and I thought it was Trek. And I thought it was, you know, in, in your hopes for this series, I felt like, well, if season three is this good, if a subpar episode dips to this level, that's still pretty good television. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So listeners, what did you think? Do you agree that this episode makes the same kind of energetic push for the storyline for this season? Or did you think that this one was even better than Matt and I thought it was? Let us know in the comments. You can reach out through the contact information in the podcast description. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, you can just scroll beneath the video and leave a comment there. Before we sign off, Matt, is there anything you want to remind listeners about? What do you have coming up on your main channel? If you're interested in energy efficient homes, solar panels, battery storage, just building kind of a crazy net zero home. I've got a whole bunch of videos coming up about my experience building a factory built, basically passive house. So be sure to check that out. There should be an episode where by the time this is out of my tour of the factory, seeing my house getting built in the factory. It's, it was pretty cool. As for me, you can check out my website, seanfarrell.com, and you can look for information about my books there. You can also just go to any bookstore that includes everything from your local bookstore or library to Amazon or Barnes and Noble. And if you'd like to support the show, please consider reviewing us on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever it is you listen. And on YouTube, obviously you can leave a comment, a review, and follow us there. And if you'd like to directly support us, you can go to trekintime.show, click on the become a supporter button, and you throw a few coins at us. The welts will heal and we appreciate them. And more than that, you'll become an ensign in the form of you'll automatically start getting out of time in your feed. Out of time is our spinoff show. We talk about not only Star Trek, but all things sci-fi or fantasy things that we're watching. We've talked recently about everything from the other Star Trek programs that are on the air right now, like Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds. We've also talked about some of the new Star Wars shows and even the new Lord of the Rings series. So we hope you're planning on talking about Andor at some point. Yes. Very soon. I hope. (laughs) Yes. And we hope you'll be interested in checking that out. You can get that by becoming a supporter. All of that really does help support the show. Thank you so much for listening or watching. We'll talk to you next time.